This episode is brought to you by the hilarious novel FIFO by Aaron Weston, available on Aaron Weston Author Instagram account. Alright, enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome to the Aaron White Show and I'm your host, Aaron. Today we have an awesome guest, Brad War. Brad is a bushfire fighter. He has previously spent eight years as a St. John's Ambulance Officer and is currently an Emergency Services Officer for a mine in Western Australia. Hi, Brad. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Aaron. Uh, very nice to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. You do a lot of things, Brad. I think we might start with the firefighting. Can you please tell me how and why you got into that? Well, it was a number of years ago now, Aaron. Um, there was a, a large bushfire in, in the town I live in, and there was, uh, it, was, it was one of the largest bushfires in West Australia. Um, and me and my family, I, I, we were quite new to the, to the town, and it was very scary for someone who wasn't in, um, who wasn't a firefighter at the time and wasn't in the industry. And so we were evacuated. And from that moment on, I knew that if I wanted to be in a, in a small town community, we had to engage with those sort of services. So that was one of the um, sparing things that sort of got me involved with it, I suppose you could say. That's pretty cool. Hey, because you're currently a firefighter, can you let me know what happens when you actually get the phone call? Hey, Brad, there's a fire. What actually happens there? Um, Aaron, we, in our district, um, so bushfire, bushfire brigades are run mainly by uh, local government. So um, we're on a, a call system or a, a messaging system. When there is a, a triple zero call go through uh, in Western Australia, it goes to the DFES uh, centre in, um, in Coburn, and then it gets dispatched from there to, um, to whichever brigade is, is needed. Uh, we get a, a text message on our phones stating that there's a, a fire in X location. We'll have a, a map um, and it'll also have please acknowledge so we'll uh, get in contact with the captain or the, um, uh, the officer in charge on the day and simply let them know that we are available and if we're needed. And uh, from that, they'll give us a bit of a direction as to we are needed or we're not needed. We'll respond if we are needed, go down to the station and uh, test the pump out, make sure we've got water can out, coming out of it and uh, wait for personnel to arrive and then we'll roll. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Have you been to any fires where people's lives and property are in danger? And can you tell me about that? Yeah, Aaron, I think one thing I'd like to, you know, without making it sound that this is, is a, it's a huge, huge deal. I mean, like most bush, bushies, firefighters in general, usually play it down. Um, and, and we do that, to, I suppose, to, to make it okay for us to deal with uh, a very dangerous situation. It, it sort of gets normalised to us. Um, what, what it is, what is dangerous is that people don't, take it seriously enough I think not listening and not listening to radio messages and and not being connected to their community messaging systems a lot of local governments now are sending out text messages and DFES also do so they also are on social media and all that sort of thing so I guess where I'm going with it is I think every situation is dangerous when there's a fire every large fire started with a small fire yeah and because they either don't get treated seriously enough or or wind changes or whatever the situation may be they do escalate and that's when people's lives seriously become at risk so i guess what i'm trying to say is that most fires you'll find have some sort of life at risk at some stage and have the potential to to have um assets and houses and all that sort of thing at risk at some stage also yeah that makes sense hey so if you need to get one of those water bombers you know the planes and helicopters how do you go about getting one of them to help you guys out? 
Aaron, it's a very interesting question, and I'm sure you could uh, make a book on this. Um, <laughs> so, so how we usually roll on a, on a bushfire, depending on how big the whether it's scaled up, scaled down. There's a lot of communication via radios, and people up the chain from what I am, I'm I'm just a baggy-ass bushfire fighter, mate. Um, but uh, the captains or the FCOs or incident controllers or sector commanders would have um, communication with uh, ground control. Uh, who have direct direct communication with uh, air intel or, or bombers themselves, just depending on how how the radio communications are structured, and that would give a location as to where they need the water. Generally, if it's if it's a hot day, uh, the guy that's in charge, whether it's a captain or a fire control officer or, or a chief bushfire control officer in the district, will make that call pretty early on to call DFES uh, Coburn and make the call. Say, look, we've got a fire here. We need we need heli attacks. Um, so generally, DFES will be in control of the heli attacks, and DPOR, the Department of um, Biodiversity and Attractions, um, they're in control. They, they're the authority on the water bombers as such. And the ground controller's job is to communicate with the with the bombers and the heli attacks and allow them to know whether or not they've overshot or they're a bit short or they've they've bullseyed onto where they were wanting the, the water to go. That makes perfect sense. I know you train a group of cadets. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, Aaron, um, probably about six years ago, five, six years ago, I seen that there was a, a bit of a gap within small t- the small town that I live in. And what I mean by gap, the, the children, the young people didn't have a lot to do. And I thought as I was part of a bushfire brigade, I like to teach. I had some young children myself. I thought, why don't we start a cadet uh, unit? So we did so. I, I did some hunting around, did some research, spoke to uh, the Shire and um, other other leaders within uh, our fire brigades and got the go-ahead. So it was a, a matter of, um, yeah, just, just starting up and teaching some young people how to, how to live life, how to, how to be a community member, how to, how to engage in volunteerism. And, and teach them some bushfire skills and some just some bushcraft, I guess. Uh, not not that I'm a guru or anything like that, mate. It's uh, it's more about engaging with the community and just being a uh, a senior role model or an adult role model that kids can sort of look up to. You know, it's it's a pretty tricky pretty tricky landscape to to manoeuvre through as a young person these days. You know, I've got three daughters, and uh, sometimes they struggle from time to time. I think uh, any sort of outside activity, whether it's sport or or bushfire fighting or whatever it might be is is pretty handy you know scouts have been around for a long time also so it's not like i was trying to develop something new that had been done before uh i i, I sort of worked within a space where i was comfortable and i i, I had some knowledge of so yeah we've got a a group of probably 12 or 13 young people i think at the moment who who are working really hard they're learning lots we do a lot of fun stuff as well sometimes we have a, a movie night Towards the end of the year, we might do some uh, rafting, raft building, some some team sort of team building sort of activities. We also do firefighter drills. We lay hoses. We have recently um, had them out on uh, prescribed burns, just small ones. So we're doing some hazard reduction burns, and we'll teach them how to light up and where we would light the fire, and we're going to check the wind direction. We're going to check the fuel moisture content. We go through the whole procedure so they understand what it is that we're doing. We've been mindful though that they are kids and we don't want them to, to light fires. So there's always there's always safety around what we're doing. We always have 
you know, good number of adults around the cadets. And it's all about teaching them, Aaron, to try and get them enthusiastic about sticking around and being a volunteer once they get old enough. Yep, I reckon that's actually really good, what you've just said. So basically, there's a lot of kids out there that don't have the positive role models or there's a lot of separated families out there that haven't got the dad or haven't got the mum in the um, in their family unit. So whether I think you are onto it anyway, you, you know that you're actually providing them that thing that they're missing, that positive role model, and you're giving them skills at the same time. So I think that's very good of you, Brad. That's so cool. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I really do. I really do appreciate that. And um, yeah, I, I got some uh, recognition last year through DFES through that space. I got an award given to me and, and like, I don't, I was very humbled and very, a, a little bit embarrassed when I won the award and I thought, well, you know, who am I? I'm just a, another firefighter doing a, a good job, you know, just, the, just doing the job we do. But, um, you know, like I'm, I'm quite proud of that now like because of that fact you just raised that there are a lot of young people out there that are, that are a little bit lost and you know like it's it's nice to be able to do something positive and and show them that there is there's there's good stuff to do you don't have to like it doesn't have to be bad yeah so yeah i'll, I'll keep you know, i'll keep doing it you're a legend <laughs> that's all i can say all right <laughs> i better i better be, be, be keep going and stop singing your praises otherwise I might run out of time yeah. um what have absolutely I, uh, yeah <laughs> right, let's see what else i got on my notes um oh so if somebody wanted to become a volunteer firefighter, what do they actually do? Yeah, best thing to do is go and see your local um, shire. Bushfire brigades, like I said, are, are run by a local government. So your local shire is a good place. Um, also, sometimes they're on um, Facebook, social media. It's also a good spot to, to sort of start. Or you can go down to your uh, local bushfire brigade. When they when you see the doors open or you see some cars down there, just, just knock on the door and um, say, you know, I'm interested in, um, in becoming a member. Awesome. Thanks for that. I think we might pop over to the St. John Ambulance Office a bit. I know you're not currently doing it. Can you please let me know when you did do it? Can you tell me why you got into that and what you actually did? Yeah, Aaron, I guess it just goes back to what I said earlier about when I started with the bushies. It's, you live in a small community and you just realise that there are certain jobs that need to be done. Um, like there's a shy councillor and there's the, the main roads workers and there's... Uh, local businesses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and being currently employed, I thought, well, I can't really do much in that space, but maybe I can do some volunteering. Um, and yeah, so it just so happens that the local bushfire brigade and the St. John Depot were right next door to one another. So, and, I, and, I, and I've always enjoyed doing first aid ever since I was a young person. I think I did my first senior first aid when I was maybe 13 or 14 at, a, uh, at school. I uh, did my bronze medallion and then and then went on to do uh, more senior first aid when I did my scuba, my scuba, first scuba ticket. Um, so, yeah, just it sort of went hand in hand. And I think around about the same time I was starting to, to learn ERT. So I was just starting to do emergency response in, in a mines rescue sense. So, yeah, it, it, it all just sort of fitted in. I loved it all. And, yeah, just, just, just kept at it. Oh, yeah, sweet. That makes perfect sense. I, th- this might be an interesting question for you have you or any of the other st john's ambulance guys rocked up to a scene where the person is already dead or died while you're trying to resuscitate them or anything like that yeah aaron uh, funnily enough my first job was actually a a dead person um yeah he'd uh, had a road traffic accident uh single on his own in a on a vehicle on a on a bicycle on a motorcycle yeah so look it's never pleasant to see anyone dead 
but it is life and I've come to understand that now like my my mindset about it is that life and death is part of part of living and as much as it is sad thankfully I haven't had to well I, I have found family members dead but um, not in the job um, as a as a volunteer ambo it was always a pleasure to help people um, so I suppose off a bit of on a tangent, but you might find the dead people and you might have people die, but it's the other side of it that is so rewarding. Um, when you, when you help somebody do something, it could be very, very menial. They are the, they are the nice days that make up for the not so nice days. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Do you actually get any nightmares or anything like that? Any mental health issues from the, um, finding someone already deceased? Nightmares. Yeah, I think. Probably, I, I couldn't say I haven't, yeah, I, the the people's eyes and the faces stay with you. Um, I think it's, for me, uh, debriefing and speaking to people who have been doing it a long time, taking those opportunities to release and to um, and to talk about it, to not bottle it up, I think is, is the main is the main thing. Uh, I'm very active. I, I'm very active within my family and my children. Um, I stay fit. I, I like to run cycle mountain side, mountain biking swimming all that sort of stuff and 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 also downtime is really important um you know whether it's going to see a movie or going to a dinner with my wife uh, or whatever it might be it's interacting with the community and, and it's not always just about responding uh, it's not always just about getting the getting the call and your adrenaline's pumping and you go to what you're going to do but it's about interacting with the community for me now i've, I've really taken a a bit of a role in that through the cadets um, and just my local bushfire brigade and trying to educate people, I suppose, about the risks involved with fire and, you know, just in general as a community, trying to make a little bit of resilience um, to help us through any sort of disaster that might befall us in the future. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, what we might pop over to is um, your role as an ESO. Can you please tell me yeah. more about that? Sure, Aaron. Um, thankfully, it's not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be completely honest. It's um, it's a job I love. Let's let's put that first and foremost. I, I really enjoy my job. I do thank the powers that be, the lucky stars, the gods, whatever you believe in, to that um, that we don't respond every day. I think if we had to then we'd be doing something wrong. Um, we do we do a lot of, again, it's a bit like being out there in bushfire land. Uh, I do, we do a lot of engagement with the workforce. We, we try and help out with uh, rescue plans and, and other bits and pieces. Uh, we review lots of documents to make sure that our responders are responding the safest and, and the procedures are set in place that, you know, are going to help them. A lot of checks uh, with our vehicles and that, that's going to be maintained daily. There's a heap of checks that we need to do on a weekly basis and monthly basis. We need to um, communicate with different departments uh, for well, around training days. So training day is my favourite day of the month. Uh, to interact with my team, um, we have a little bit of fun, but we also work really damn hard. It's not the ideal situation that we train only once a month, but it is what it is. We, we got a we got another job to do. We we make uh, we make big rocks into little rocks, and we and we get stuff out of it at the end of the day. So we just got to train them the best we can. And that one day we need to try and pack in as much as we can. So we try and try and teach them and not so much teach them, but we, we engage with them to help them practice all of the skills that they need to do when that phone does call. Yeah. So it's, 
it's um, yeah, like I said, that's my favourite day of the week <laughs> of the month, I should say. Yeah, that's cool. Um, can you please tell me who this team is? So what you're saying is you're the emergency services officer, but you haven't got a full team um, that train every day with you. Are they made up of other departments, are they? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Aaron, because ERT are from all over the mine. You know, some of them might be fitters, some of them might be sparkies, some of them might be, um, I was going to say meteorologists then, but um, <laughs> met lab um, <laughs> techno, uh, techs and... Um, you know, haul truck operators and grader operators and like process ops, guys that work in on pumps, you know, like all around the mine, they'll have their normal everyday jobs. And a bit like a bushfire brigade communication, we, you know, we send them a message and they respond, whether that's via a two-way, whether it's um, via word of mouth, whether it's via phones, we'll get the message out to our, our people to respond and to muster at the station. And then we'll give them the brief and, uh, and what sort of what sort of PPE they have to wear, depending on what sort of incident we're rolling to, will depend on what sort of protective equipment they'll have to wear, which truck we want, whether or not we take the ambulance. Um, we have a lot of we have a lot of um, territory or a lot of land that we own as a business, and it is uh, high uh, high bushfire prone. So we do a lot of we do a lot of different things where we are. We're not that close to the coast, so other other mine sites might have to worry about um, you know, fires in ships, uh, in loading loading um, conveyors and that sort of thing. Uh, other 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 mine sites might have to do that. They might be a bit more closer to regional um, tourism spots like Karajini and that sort of thing. So they might they might help with uh, land search and rescue type efforts. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, uh, what can I say? So if um, people want to follow you or your cadets on social media, can you tell me where they'll go? Yeah, uh, Dwelling Up Volunteer Bushfire Brigade Cadets is our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I know it's a bit of a mouthful. Probably should change it someday, but um, <laughs> that's what it is at the moment. So Dwelling Up Volunteer Bushfire Brigade Cadets. Yep. We, we're pretty, pretty active on there. Um, everything from you know, just uh, what we're up to, Burns, we've been on pictures, videos, the kids training. Um, just recently, I think about a month or so ago, we we put together a video. It was called "Are You Bushfire Ready?" and it's got all of our cadets on there, and they're all uh, coming up with some really good ideas. And we actually just said this to them and said, "Look, guys, this is what we want you to do: make a video." And they went and did it. They wrote some stuff down. They drew some pictures to what they wanted it to look like. And it's all about being bushfire ready, you know, making sure that you've got your important documents ready. You know, like if you're driving uh, on the roads or, or through the bush, you know, drive to conditions. If it's if it's smoky, slow down. If it's loose gravel, all that sort of stuff. Bushfire safety for people who aren't bushfire members. That's pretty uh, cool. Uh, that. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, no that's fine, Aaron. Um, yeah, it's good. You've got to, got to engage with them. It's, it's, it gets very boring hearing the sound of my own voice. I'll let you know that much. <laughs> And I'm sure they they feel the same. So I I, I tend to try and give them the reins as often as I can. Um, sometimes I've got to pull it back because uh, they they're kids, you know, they're young people and and their minds sort of wander. But all in all, they're a great bunch of kids, uh, excelling and doing well and going forward and developing as human beings. We we spend a fair bit of time um, engaging with other community partners, businesses. And we do some work for them volunteering, you know, like um, there's an adventure company that's in our, in our town and whenever they've got, you know, some boats or bikes to clean or anything like that, 
we always go down there for free and and help out and and in return they they um support us whether it be free canoe hire free bike hire whatever it's it's a it's just a matter of and and look at the end of the day we would do that volunteering for them regardless if we got anything out of it because i want to teach it's about teaching the kids that volunteering you don't you don't get anything out of it you don't get anything in return it's just a matter of doing a good deed for your town for your community um and i don't want to sound like i'm praising or preaching or that but it's it'd be lovely to see more of and around the world not just in australia but i say that we've got 26,000 bushfire volunteers in western australia alone so there is it's the largest volunteer base i think in western australia if not australia i'm sure on the last bit but i know it's definitely the the biggest volunteer base in WA. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, might as well wrap it up. Have I got anything else? Well, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to you for coming on the show and a massive thank you for you being a volunteer. And as you just said, I'd like to say a massive thank you to all the volunteers out there, whether they are Bush firefighters or St. John's Ambulance or the RT members. I think, obviously the volunteers are doing a great job and if it wasn't for you guys you know it makes so much it'll make life so much harder and obviously more dangerous as well um oh did you have fun coming on the show brad oh i did aaron i must say thank you to yourself it's uh, fantastic to see someone uh, like i've known you a little while now and you don't sit back and let things happen you've made stuff happen for yourself and uh, i appreciate that a lot through your books and all that sort of thing um and, and now the show, I think it's fantastic that you're engaging with different people and um, that's what it's about. It's about engagement. It's about talking to people. We should have more conversations and just, and just you know, honest, open conversation. Um, fantastic, mate. Like, I appreciate you asking me to come on the show. I hope it's been interesting for the, viewer, for the, for the listeners and, um, yeah, let's check us out on Facebook. Yep. Yeah, I reckon a lot of people get a lot out of this. Yeah, so thanks again. And, well, yeah, that's a wrap. I'd like to thank Brad again for coming on the show. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast and have yourself a fantastic day. All right. Bye.